Welcome to Yanker Jack with Brian Swope. Dynamite drop in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. Part of the Gateway City Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to Yacker Jacks, y'all. It's good to have you back this week. This is your host, Brian Swope. You can find me on Twitter at Papa Swope. And I just want to say, how's it going? How are you? I hope your week went well. And, you know, it's getting really hot right now. At least where I'm at, it's sweltering. I think the heat index yesterday was like 109 And then it just stormed and stormed and stormed, and now I'm waking up this morning, and it is hot again already. So I hope you're doing well out there. Thank you for taking time out of your day to have a listen and to spend a little bit of time with us here. I want to... I want to cover a few things. We're not going to go into a whole lot today. Uh, Kind of a uh, different different show today. We don't have a guest lined up for today uh, we had one and uh, had to had to back out at the last second so um, we just want to we're just gonna go solo mio today it's it's just me all on my own and uh, that, that's okay though we're gonna have fun anyway we're just gonna talk about some different things um, but you know without having a guest uh, we won't have the holy smokers guest line today so when you need to add a little spice to your life Make your next grilling adventure a spiritual experience with Holy Smokers Rub Company. They have several different flavors to choose from. Each one is specially blended for a taste sensation that you will pray never ends. The best part about it is all proceeds go towards helping families who are going through the process of adopting a child. So look them up on Facebook. Be sure to use coupon code GCS10. That's GCS, the number 10, for 10% off your order. Holy Smokers Rub Company. Bless your taste buds. So first up, uh, Mizzou's search for a new athletic director is over. Uh, They have hired Desiree Reed Francois, who comes to us from uh, UNLV. Now, a lot of people may look at this and, you know, think it's not a a real sexy hire, you know, something splashy, uh, but she has experience Lots of experience. She's coming from UNLV, uh, where she did a lot of work. She's not afraid. Uh, she's already proven she's not afraid to fire a coach if she needs to. She she got rid of two coaches there at UNLV, but she also has uh, some some experience in the SEC as well. And you know, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be different. Uh, from Jim Sterk and I talked to you guys already on the show about Jim Sterk and you know how much I I appreciated him I I think he did a fantastic job um, as the athletic director I know we went through some lean years there uh, but uh, I really feel like uh, what he did is really going to set Desiree up for success and it it's it's interesting because she she's going to bring a new perspective, I think, to the program. And I think that there is going to be 
a, a real resurgence. And a lot of times things can start with the athletic director. You know, if she is, you know, in into it, like if she is really raring to go, you know, ready to prove herself, and I believe that she is, then I really think that this is going to be a very, very good, good hire. And uh, some of the things that uh, that have been um, said about her um, is that, you know, she's very inclusive. She's very smart. Um, she She knows how to really uh, build a staff, how to understand them, you know, how to, how to make things work. Uh, there, there's a lot of things I think that she's going to be able to bring to the table. And it's not that, you know, Jim Sterk wasn't any of those things. Uh, I just think it sometimes you need a fresh set of eyes and, you know, somebody who can look at something and maybe come at it from a different perspective. And that, that's what I think she's going to do uh, for the program. And I, I'm excited uh, that, uh, that this is going to happen. And, you know, it's honestly, it's, it's needed. Like we need to be ready and we need to be prepared because here's, here's what's going on guys. You know, the SEC is going to expand. Uh, there, there are two new schools that, uh, are, are coming to, uh, to the SEC and it, Texas and Oklahoma. So, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see how they uh how they kind of fit in to the SEC but you're talking about two powerhouse programs from the Big 12 you know from our days there and you know we we've had some success against both teams but you know the, the SEC is getting bigger it's getting deeper it's getting stronger and if we're going to compete at the highest level in arguably the most difficult conference in college sports, then we're going to need somebody who can really lead us forward. And I, you know, I hope that, that um, Reed Francois is, is that person and that she can really uh, bring us to a, a new height, I guess you, you could say. I, I hope that she brings the program up to a, a fantastic level and puts us in the conversation with some of those top elite programs. You know, we'll see. We'll see. I, I don't want to, you know, judge anything, you know, right away. I want to be able to take a step back and watch watch how she does but you know i think it's going to be good i think she's i think it's a good hire i think she's going to do a fantastic job and let's let's see how how this plays out but um but you know good good on mizzou for being quick to uh, you know target the the person they wanted and to go out and get them so i mean it from you know Getting Conzo Martin to getting coach Eli Drinkwitz to, you know, hiring a, a new AD so quickly. It seems to me like Mizzou is really focused. Like it's like they understand now what they need to do and they're going to do it. And so it, it took a little, <laughs> a little bit of growing pains there uh, from moving from the Big 12 to the SEC. But I think they're finally realizing that. Hey, 
if we're going to play with the big boys, we need to act like the big boys. And so we'll, we'll see how that, how that plays out with this new athletic director, but I think it's going to be good. I, I think it's going to be a good hire. Um, moving on, I want to talk about, uh, obviously, the Cardinals. Uh, we talk about them a lot. And I don't want this necessarily to turn into just an all you know Cardinals podcast. I know a lot of the a lot of fans that listen to this um, are Cardinals fans, and uh, you know so we, we want to provide that content, but we also want to you know provide you with some other things. You know have a have a nice well rounded show here. Um, so we but we want to be able to cover everything. And the Cardinals, you know, I've been really harsh uh, when it comes to the Cardinals. And, you know, the reason for that is because this is a team, you know, you know, we just talked about the SEC and we talked about how, you know, Mizzou is is pretty much like one of the smaller guys wanting to be one of the big guys. Well, the Cardinals are one of the big guys that seem to want to be like one of the small guys. The Cardinals have the financial flexibility to do some things. Like they they have the ability to compete with teams like the Dodgers, and and definitely teams like you know San Diego, San Francisco, Atlanta. I mean, there are there is no reason why the Cardinals can't compete at that level, and what the issue is. And this is this is why I think the Cardinals have been held back. Is there's an owner who loves homegrown players and has almost a, a an unhealthy affection for the guys that we draft and bring up. And I think that there's two too many expectations placed on some of these guys and so you know you get a guy that has a good season and then all of a sudden the front office thinks okay this person's potential has been realized and then they're quick to you know to sign them to you know to extend them because they don't want to lose them you see that with Matt Carpenter you see that with Carlos Martinez You've seen that with Paul DeYoung. And the problem here is they've signed people to bad contracts, ill-advised contracts. The writing was on the wall with, with Carpenter. Everybody could see it. With DeYoung, man, there wasn't enough there to justify the contract. Uh, even, you know, even Miles Michaelis, you know, they, they rushed to go ahead and extend him as well um, after his first year here, which, granted, you know, full disclosure, at the time I thought was a good move. I really did. I, I, I thought it was a fantastic uh, pickup from Japan when they did it, and then when they extended him, I thought it was, it was the right thing to do. And, you know, we've seen how that's turned out too. And so I, I think that, what the Cardinals need to do is they need to take a step back and they need to quit, one, overvaluing the prospects that they have, first of all. And two, 
really let the process play out and let these guys get established as stars. I mean, if they are not, you know, Nolan Arenado caliber stars, don't be quick to extend them. Don't be quick to extend them. You know, and it's so frustrating to me to see you know, the opportunities that are there, the opportunities that have presented themselves get passed by because of bad financial decisions. I mean, let's be real. The DeWitts and even Mosellock are way too smart to be getting the Cardinals hamstrung on bad contracts. You know, they didn't sign Albert Pujols. Turned out to be the smart move. But then they've made a series of just really head-scratching, puzzling moves as far as, you know, who they're extending, who they're signing, you know, who they're giving these contracts to. Um, Dexter Fowler was a bad deal. And, you know, it's just... I wish I could put my finger on why they make these bad deals and why they do these awful contracts, but I can't, I just can't. It, it, to me, it doesn't make any sense. And I know to a lot of fans, it doesn't make any sense, but unfortunately we don't make those decisions. So we're not the ones that get to say who they should and shouldn't sign at least not up front. You know, we can, speak with our pocketbooks and you know i think you're seeing that i think you're beginning to see that if fans aren't going to put up with this much longer the the stands have been emptier than i've seen uh, in a long time and you know the the problem is you know with with this is that they're just not putting a good product on the field i mean they just aren't it, it, it's awful and, you know, they want to compete. They want to act like they're competing. But at the same time, like, and again, I don't want to get, I mean, I, I don't want to disparage the players. I think those guys are going out there, and I think they're busting their tails off. And I, I'm going to talk about that in a minute because somebody made a comment on Facebook that was just completely asinine. And it, it just completely ridiculous. And I want to talk about that. But but I want to, I want to finish out on, on this on this thought before, um, before I, I, you know, really, really dive into that. Um, you know, and what I think was said perfectly, uh, by Joel Sheehan. Um, he said, if you take out the Arenado trade, the last few Cardinals seasons look like a product of a team hoping to win, but not trying all that hard to do so. You know, that you could not have put it any better than that. Uh, you know, it, Mike Shannon himself even said, you know, the, the team is just not very good. You know, and, and to me, it looks like what the front office is trying to do and has been trying to do for several years now is basically polish a turd. I mean, it's really what they're doing. They're putting on a product on this field that is, it's a subpar product. You know, it, it looks the part, but it's not the part. And, you know, it's just, it's frustrating. 
to me, and I'm sure it's frustrating to you know all fans when you've got a team that's has a history this rich, and yet they're just so not 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 dedicated to winning. I mean, if they were really dedicated to winning, we shouldn't have gone ten years between World Series wins. We just shouldn't. And, you know, I I really like uh, the way Dan Buffa has has worded this. And, you know, he he, he writes for um, Jewish Light, stljewishlight.org. And he uh, we had him on the show. Many, many of you remember him. Some of you already know him. Um, but uh, I, I consider Dan a friend, and I value his opinion. I respect his opinion. And... What Dan said um, in his latest piece, and I don't want to ruin it for everybody, um, but uh, he he wrote a piece on uh, stljewishlight.org, three essential needs that the St. Louis Cardinals must address this coming offseason. And take a moment, if you get a chance, read the article. It's really good. Uh, Dan's work is usually really good. Um, But one of the things he said to open was, and I'll read this quote, Ten days ago, when the St. Louis Cardinals collected a couple of old pitching arms at the trade deadline, the message was sent clearly. 2021 is pretty much done. The white flag was brought out of the box, even if no one is officially waving it. With the acquisitions of John Lester and J.A. Happ, St. Louis was more than whispering to Cardinal Nation that the wait would extend to next year for any playoff theatrics or even a mere appearance you know dan is spot on you know he's absolutely spot on with this because there are glaring holes on this team and the first things first uh the pitching staff is you know and again i cannot fault the pitching staff too much the reason i can't fault them too much is because you're not going to be able to foresee you know three of your five starters going down you know that that just well four now really um you know because you had Flaherty go down Michaelis went down KK's been on and off the IL I think he's going back on the IL now Carlos Martinez um, is on the IL now as well and probably won't pitch the rest of the season which is probably good for us but you know the only the only person still pitching in the starting rotation that started the season is a 39-year-old Adam Wainwright. So the old guy, you know, the, the old guy who's who's old enough to be the dad of some of these younger players, he is the only one that's healthy. He's the only one that's still pitching. And, you know, I just find it hilarious that they didn't they didn't address this. We knew going into the season that rotation depth was going to be an issue, that it was going to be a problem. We knew that you had Jack Flaherty and what else behind him. You know, and, and for all of the question marks surrounding the rotation, nothing was done in the offseason to address it. And I think that's one of the problems, one of the big issues with this front office is they seem to assume that if a player comes back off of injury, 
that they're just going to automatically, you know, be back to them old, their old selves and just be able to go out there and perform at an extremely high level. You know, and, and it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't. Very rarely do you see a player come back off of a serious injury or surgery and immediately become that lights out dominant player that they were before. Very rarely do you see that. And so I, I think that that's been a mistake that this team has made is counting on players who are coming off a serious injury. You know, Michaelis re-injured himself, you know, and Jordan Hicks, who was supposed to be the closer, you know, he got re-injured, you know, and it's just, you cannot count on guys coming off of injury. And, and it's one of the big issues for this team. You, you just can't do that. And so uh, unless this front office figures out that that is actually an issue and that that's part of their thinking that is flawed, because it is, it, it, it's flawed thinking to think that someone who is seriously injured is going to come back and immediately be in, at an elite level. You know, especially with what these guys have to put themselves through. And so it, it just, it, it's, it's ridiculous to, to think that. And the other thing is, they're, they're banking too much on players repeating unrepeatable success. And I'm talking right now specifically, specifically of Paul DeYoung. He's not a starter. N not a starter. He's, you know, good defensively, not great, but offensively, he's just, it, it, it's offensive to see him continually thrust into these, you know, high leverage, you know, batting roles. Like, he doesn't need to be batting fifth. He doesn't even need to be batting sixth. You know, and, and the fact that you've seen him now starting to be even lower than that in the lineup, I mean, this guy is not a starter. Not a starter. And, you know, there, there was a move that was out there to be had. And I know that there's some people that disagree with me on this, you know, and I get that. I understand that. But what I don't understand, <laughs> what I don't understand is that you had Max Scherzer and you had Trey Turner. They got traded from Washington to, to Los Angeles. Both of those guys, both of them, are immediate game changers for the Cardinals. Immediate game changers for the Cardinals. I mean, that move right there would have put them squarely in contention. I mean, that, it shored up, it, it would have shored up two Huge, the two biggest holes on this team that move would have fixed. And, you know, we don't know if he, when I say he, I'm talking about Mo. We don't know if Mo explored that option or not. Um, I can't imagine that he didn't at least inquire and probably came down to the prospects that they wanted. I mean, because LA had to give up their, their top prospect. Um, and I think one of their, 
one or two of their top pitching prospects. I, I don't remember exactly the package, but you know that would it would have been a costly move for the Cardinals. And, yeah, I get that, get that. Um, but Trey Turner is you even if you don't get Max Scherzer long term. Trey Turner is phenomenal. And, you know, he is, he's a guy you can build around. I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine an infield of Goldie, Arenado, and Trey Turner? I mean, that is, that is an all-star infield right there. I mean, at that point, you just need to upgrade second base. Um, But looking at the team, though, like they've got to replace DeYoung going into next year. Now there's some money coming off the books, and you know the Carpenter deal is expiring. Uh, Martinez's deal is expiring. Uh, you know Wainwright and Yachty's deals are, are both going to to expire. Now they're already talking about extending Yachty. If they extend Yachty, I can't imagine them not re-signing Wayno. Um, but there's some moves to be had. And here's why I think 2022 is the goal here. And I don't think they're going to come out and say it. And, you know, they won't. I mean, based off of most comments, period, they're not going to come out and say this. But I think 2022 has been the goal. You know, I think when we talk about the future that Mo always talks about, I think 2022 is the future. I think that's when we're really going to start to see these things come to fruition. You're seeing an outfield that's coming together. You're seeing, you know, the moves that were made to shore up the corner infield spots. Now, if we can just get the rotation and the bullpen and that middle infield fixed, then I think we've got a real shot at something here. And so with all of the money coming off the books and the Cardinals have flexibility, they have the financial muscles to flex. You know, they just haven't done it yet. But with all the money coming off the books and the, the money that they already have, after this new collective bargaining agreement, agreement gets, gets settled and finalized, I, I, almost, I almost guarantee you that the DH is going to be in play, like that the DH will be uh, a, a thing in the NL. And here's what I see. I see the Cardinals signing a shortstop. This is what they should do. If this was me, this is what I would do. Sign a shortstop. There's going to be plenty of really good ones available. So sign a shortstop, number one. Number two, get another pitcher. I don't care if you've got to trade for him. I don't care if you've got to go out and pay the money for him, you better get a solid number one or number two. Either an ace or or a solid number two that can come in behind Flaherty. And you may even need to go further than that because we don't know how Flaherty is going to be coming off of that oblique injury. We'll see. Hopefully he's fine. But you've got to you gotta you gotta keep yourself covered. You got to. And you know you gotta hedge your bets here. So I would go out and get you know, a solid number one starter or a number two starter. You just got to. So you take care of that. You take care of, you know, the shortstop situation. And then next you got to, you have to, you know, address the bullpen. 
And if you address the bullpen, you know, by by really by addressing the starter situation, you should be able to address the bullpen as well. And I mean that because most starters, you know, most guys that are looking to start, you know, if they don't make the rotation, end up going to the bullpen anyway. So sign yourself an abundance of starters, and then you solve, you know, you kill two birds with one stone there. You you shore up the the rotation, and whoever can't fit into the rotation moves into the bullpen. And you can, you know, play and wiggle around with the bullpen here and there, uh, you know, throughout the season. And if you get in season and, you know, the bullpen's not, you know, up to snuff, well, deal deal for somebody. You know, and at, at that point, that's something that can be done. And the other thing I would do is, you know, and this is me just, maybe it's pure nostalgia, um, but I, I would go out and, and sign Albert Pujols. I really would. You know, I, I don't think he's going to cost a lot of money. You could probably get him for, you know, get him on the cheap. But, you know, if the DH is going to be a thing, and I think it will, I think DH is a good spot for Pujols. You know, he's already shown himself to still be capable in a limited role. I mean, he's doing great for L.A. I mean, he, he's done fantastic for the Dodgers. And so, like, that, that is a role where I can see him doing really well at. And, you know, when it, when it comes down to it, guys, the options are there. Like, the, the, there's a chance to make this team better and to really push for a, a World Series title next year. But they have to do it. They have to do it. And they, they just got to make the right moves. And I'm hoping that they will. I, like, I want to be optimistic, and I, I want to hold out hope that they're going to do what needs to be done to turn this into a championship roster. But at the same time, you know, we've, <laughs> how, how often have we said that and it hasn't happened? So I, I'm hoping, 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 maybe hoping beyond hope that that's what's going to happen. But we'll see. We'll see. Now, to get back to this uh, doofus uh, uh, of a guy that, uh, oh, my goodness gracious. Um, so comment on Facebook. And I'm not going to say the guy's name because I think it's just too ridiculous to, to repeat. Like, I, I don't need to give this guy any, any more airtime than, than he needs. But, you know, talking about, you know, Tyler O'Neill taking the day off yesterday. You know, and this was before, you know, Katie Wu announced that, um, you know, O'Neill was taking the day off because he was having, you know, some, some reactions to his second COVID shot. So... It's not a matter of him, you know, needing a day off to rest his body or this, that, or the other. It, the dude is actually sick, you know, actually sick, taking a day off. But before that news came out, you know, regardless if that was the case or not, before that news came out, th this is what I hear. I, this is what I saw. It says, th this guy said, I think them needing rest is a bunch of bull. People work in factories for years without taking time off. The ball players are off four to five months every winter. Very few days during the season do they put in eight-hour days. These guys, for the most part, are in better shape than the average factory worker. Give me a break, a day to rest, bunch of question marks. And then there's another guy that said, I agree wholeheartedly. Now, uh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. 
you're telling me <laughs> that that's your take. Like, that's your take. You know, a, a guy working in a factory is not being paid millions of dollars. Factory owners aren't investing millions of dollars per employee. You know, they, they can afford for a guy working in a factory to get hurt. You know, if a guy in a factory gets hurt, give him time off, give him time off with pay, you hire somebody else, you, you fill it in. You know, that's not the case with these ball players. You know, and to say that they just take four months off a year is absolutely ridiculous. These guys, even in the off season, are putting in work to keep their bodies in peak physical form. And so for you to think that they don't work hard and that they don't put in an eight-hour work day during the season, are, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? The games can last up to three hours or more. And there's time before that. Like, you, you've got to go over scouting reports. You've got to take, you know, pregame batting practice. There's, you know, fielding practice. There's all these things that happen before the game is played. And to think that they just don't put in an eight-hour workday at all during the season is just ludicrous. I mean, who, who are you, guy, to, to come and to judge these ball players like that? Like, you know. Like he doesn't know. Like he doesn't get it. You know, and it's just, it's, it's frustrating to me that, you know, we've got this mentality where we're just, we're so quick to judge, so, so quick to, you know, berate a player and not even know what, what's going on or, or what that player is going through. You know, it, it's, it's ridiculous, you know, to think that, you know, they're, they're not working or they're not really putting, you know, themselves through, through a lot. And, you know, it's just, it's just a couple of guys playing a game and they're getting paid to play a game. Oh, the poor baby. He needs a day off. Now, you know what? Shut up, dude. Seriously, shut up. Because these guys do put their bodies through hell to be able to play this game. That's one of the reasons Mark McGuire retired, you know, was because he said that, he, it wasn't worth trying to do what he needed to do to keep his body healthy just so he could play every day. So to think that these guys are, you know, sissies or, or anything less because they need an occasional day off to rest their bodies. Yeah, they do. They do. And you know what? Get over it and get over yourself. So, you know, th th that's all I'm going to say about that. But, I mean, speaking of judging, <laughs> oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. Did you guys hear what happened in Colorado? So, apparently, there was a fan that was yelling to the Colorado Rockies mascot, a Triceratops named Dinger. And he was trying to get Dinger's attention to come over for a photo. Well, it just so happened that, you know, it was kind of a quiet moment in the ballpark. Lewis Brinson is up to... At, up to bat and this guy is sitting like directly behind home plate I mean like right behind home plate and apparently people heard him yelling dinger and thought he was saying the n-word and so there was this huge outcry this huge backlash on on twitter and th this this gets to like th this kind of thing gets under my skin 
you know and, and he, here here's the deal is like people are so quick to judge other people without really knowing like the facts like tyler o'neill you, you judge him because he's taking a day off call him a sissy uh the dude is sick because of a covid shot okay now you got this guy here who is you know so like he's just doing something completely innocent and somebody misunderstands mishears hears wrong what the guy is saying and then all of a sudden this guy is like the worst person ever you know there is absolutely no place for racism none zero you know and i i am the least racist person you will meet i i cannot stand people who are like that you know i i have grown up my whole life fighting against people who are like that and and, and so I, this is a very passionate thing for me but the one thing we cannot do is be so quick to judge because you know twitter is a is a vile cesspool of nonsense most of the time and so many people were were getting down on this fan the only person only person that i have seen apologize to this fan is craig mish now craig mish is he's a wonderful guy i've spent time talking to craig mish before um you know he He's given me his number. He said, hey, call me any, anytime you need. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that I really, when I was first you know, getting into sports writing and first you know, starting to do this kind of thing, um, he, he was a guy that was, that was there and you know, available and willing to you know, talk to me and coach me through some things. Uh, and so you know, in that regard, you know, I, really, um, I really admire Craig Mish. And for him to come out and apologize is incredible and, and you know and I, I sent out a tweet this week I was like you know I'm wait, waiting for everybody to apologize and probably gonna be waiting forever and you know what Craig Mish is the only guy that I've seen now m maybe there's others maybe there's others but up until this point the only person that I've seen apologize is Craig Mish you know it's like we can we can sit behind a keyboard and type things out and type out our opinions and n nobody we can just do whatever we want and nobody cares, right? You know, say whatever you want and, you know, talk bad about people however you want. And, and it's, you know, whatever. You know, I, you know, I guess you could say the same about me too, like podcasting. I can, I can say whatever I want behind this microphone and there's no consequences to it, right? No, no, there's consequences. There are consequences. I mean, I, I don't want to say anything that's going to make me look like a jerk or make me sound like a jerk. And if I do, I hope you listeners will call me on it, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, like, l let's, let's just be good to each other. You know, l l let's just be decent human beings to one another. Um, and l let's just all, you know, be on the same page here. You know, it it's just, I don't know, I could go on and on. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop with that, though, because it's something that I could talk about all day long. Um, so sometimes in life, <laughs> you need to be covered. You need to make sure that the things that you love um, are taken care of. And that's when you need insurance. And not just any insurance is going to do. You need Allstate. And that's why the Wiley Group has two locations, one in Festus and one in Arnold, to serve you. They offer home, auto, boat, 
motorcycle, business, life insurance, investments, and so much more. They use a customized approach that is tailor-made to meet your needs. So give Sean and his team a call today at 636-764-6294. They can help you with an insurance quote right over the phone. Or if you just want to talk about sports, they can do that too. If you don't have time to call, no problem. Just email Sean at seanwiley at allstate.com and learn about the coverage options that you need to keep you and your family protected. And always remember, you're in good hands with Allstate. So, yeah, you know, it, it is what it is, you know, in, the, in this day and age. And so I want to just, I guess, end the show today just by saying, you know, my final thoughts. And, and my final thoughts would be this. Don't be so quick to judge. You know, people are going through things that we can't see, you know, but behind closed doors. And you never know what another person's struggles are. You never know what another person is dealing with. And, you know, your problems, you know, may seem trivial to other people, and other people's problems may seem trivial to you. But at the end of the day, we're all human. We're all struggling. We all make mistakes. And, you know, there's not a single one of us that is better than anyone else. That's just true. So be kind, be loving, be blessed, have a great week, and we will see you next week back here on Yacker Jacks. And don't forget to check out all of the great content that we have on gatewaycitysports.com. Check out the website. Check out the new articles that we have posting up almost daily. Make sure you check out the other, uh, the other shows on our podcast network, uh, you want to check out Team of Rivals. You want to check out the Derek King Sports Show. You want to check out Two for Three. And uh, as always, we appreciate you listening uh, to us and uh, giving us a shout out. So give us a like and share us with your friends. And we will see you again next week. Next week.